everybody. Welcome to Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. I am your co-host, Matt Crandall, here as always with Marcelo Inestroza as we come to the end of Lost Season 2. Today we are looking at the two-hour season finale, Live Together, Die Alone, that aired back in May of 2006, bringing a lot of the stuff that we had been dealing with this whole season to a head, raising new questions in spectacular lost fashion, left everybody with major questions over the summer. Marcelo, finally in this two-hour finale, they answer the question that has been on your mind for the last couple of podcasts. Where is Desmond? Because Live Together, Die Alone is a Desmond flashback episode. Marcelo, how happy were you to see Des again? I am so happy that you brought that up at the start because I was overjoyed to finally, finally see Desmond again. I was really sort of enraptured by his backstory as to how he ended up on the island and to find out his relationship with a specific young woman. I don't think we need to hide it anymore, but her name is Penny. And to find out that Desmond was some kind of soldier in the in the British army and he did something to get himself discharged was like oh I didn't remember that but I, I I wonder as we move forward here if that will be eventually revealed but the one thing that was running through my head as we got to see Desmond's backstory for the first time I just went to myself god damn it the bad robot universe is littered with awful 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 father figures in the way that a lot of Steven Spielberg's early work have awful father figures or people dealing with awful father figures. So I thought that was a nice sort of unconscious parable that perhaps Carlton and Damon put in the show as a nod to Steven Spielberg. You know, with that being said, I do acknowledge that I am reaching here beyond belief, but I thought that was a nice nod i did like the fact that desmond was like the drunk idiot in this episode he lost all hope and he is just basically down in the dumps and it was so fun to again experience the disillusion of john locke and when he enlists desmond to help him in you know finally blowing up the hatch to finally see if the hatch thing is a big giant social experiment. So I really, really enjoyed this episode because of the arrival finally of Desmond and learning more about him and uh, seeing John Locke sort of entrust him and sort of tell him that this whole journey on the island was a bunch of crap and it was a giant uh, social experiment basically well and that's what he thinks but this episode by the end of it we start to realize that maybe it's not a social experiment at all because you know this whole push the button or not desmond finds those papers where he realizes the one time he didn't push the button is when 815 crashed on the island so i thought that was really interesting through this podcast we've been saying where's desmond where's desmond but that's only because we know, looking back, how important Desmond is to the show. But at the time that this aired, it was like, oh, man, we're getting two hours of backstory on this guy. 
this guy that we haven't seen for three quarters of the season who just seemed like some nothing guy in the hatch who effed off somewhere. So this is where we start to think, okay, maybe this character is more important than he seemed at first glance. And I do love that in that opening flashback, we see him get dishonorably discharged from the military, which immediately brings up a lot of questions like what the hell happened and then we immediately go into this scene where he meets up with charles widmore played by alan dale who is so awesome at playing rich old assholes he was caleb nickel on the oc for a couple of years one of the rich old asshole villain types to see him in this role of rich old asshole villain type fits like a glove and he tells desmond i intercepted all these letters you thought you were writing to penny please fuck off he's basically what he tells him and to see Desmond kind of crushed that he thought he was keeping in touch with this woman that he loved. And now we're finding out that never happened. This old man hates Desmond, has a vendetta against him, and is trying his damnedest to make sure that they stay apart. So immediately that flashback dynamic raised a lot of questions and was super interesting as well as right off the back of that because none of that has anything to do with how desmond got to the island the first step in that journey is where desmond is in a coffee shop and he meets up with a mysterious woman and he starts telling her about this race around the world and she says she has a boat and of course this mysterious woman is actually libby who we know from the island pre-mental institution or maybe post we're not sure her situation is still not fully explained we know that she had a husband he is gone and this boat is causing her a lot of pain it's named after her and she says you know win the race for love and gives the boat to des so i thought that was really cool to see that not only had desmond had a pre-island run-in with jack which we returned to he also had pre-island run in with Libby. So that was cool. And the actual current timeline stuff with the island focuses on the two main portions, the Operation Michael's a dickhead and Operation Locke has lost his faith. So I like that those are the two main stories. They are both interesting because we're waiting to see how Saeed can outsmart the others and rescue Jack Sawyer kate and hurley before michael leads them into a trap and also we're trying to figure out if Locke is right that this button means nothing or if echo is correct thinking that now this is the most important thing that they have to do if i just could i'm not gonna take back what i said previously but watching this episode i can't remember what the overall function of the hatch is because at the end of this episode when mr echo tries to force his way into the hatch by uh blowing up the blast door after desmond and lock lock him out and after des finds out that when he first got there had a crisis of faith and didn't push the button one day and that act caused our our lossy's plane to crash when i saw it today i was like what because i had completely forgotten that but I don't know what the ultimate end game is of the hatch and why it does why it does. That, that's why I said this could all be a, a giant social experiment. I completely forgot the end result of what happens when John Locke crushes the computer and Desmond basically lets the clock run to zero and we hear this giant we hear this giant hum and everybody on the island is covering their ears and we see a giant white light in the sky and I go... 
what the holy hell is going on here? I completely forgot all about that. So that's why I said uh, what I initially said in my first comment. Hearing you talk about it now brought that whole section of this episode back for me. I don't know why I blocked it out. It was always interesting because people were always fighting online whether the hatch really meant anything or not. And then this episode says maybe Echo is wrong, but when they do let it go to zero, weird stuff happens. And so we still don't really know at this point the ramifications of not pressing the button because that white light and that noise, we are not sure what it means. And certainly the magnetic field that it generates or unleashes is something that can have real world consequences like pulling a plane out of the sky or being burst big enough for someone to detect on a computer in the Arctic as we find out towards the end of this episode. So I did like that. Best laid plans always go awry. So it was interesting to watch as Saeed goes out in the boat with Sun and Jin, and he's trying to get to the camp where Mrs. Clue and the others are waiting for Jack. And on their way, they see that weird four-toed foot of a giant, like, Lord of the Rings-style statue that has long since crumbled or something has happened. I remember that being one of those weird things that Lost just kind of throws in to mess with you. And I love it. At first glance, you're like, that's cool. And then Saeed says, I don't know what's more disquieting, the fact that the rest of the statue is missing or that it has four toes. And it's like, oh my God, what is this? So I loved that because it could have just been like, you know, something they threw in there for fun, but it also adds more mystique and cool factor to this island scenario. And of course, as this unfolds, we find out that the people who are manipulating Michael have thought two steps ahead. So... Whereas Saeed did sniff out Michael's plan, he thought they were playing checkers when actually the others were playing chess. Jack, Kate, and them get taken to a different spot than they thought. So Saeed is going to the wrong spot to rescue them. He's not going to be able to intervene. And I love that when they see all the pneumatic tubes from that station with all of the journals. So that kind of lends credence to the fact that those people might actually be the social experiment where they're recording all of the actions of the other stations because no one was ever even reading those notebooks. So I thought that was cool. It's one of those like, ah, damn it moments when the others show up to catch them because they are in the wrong spot. And we thought Saeed was smarter than that. But unfortunately, the others did get one up on them. Were you surprised when that happened? No, I was not surprised because for the past like three or four episodes, I've been waiting for this moment. And the second that Henry walked on the pier and just started walking up to Jack and said, hello again, I was like, yes, this is your true face. Let the devil appear. <laughs> I absolutely loved the presence that Michael Emerson had in his small part when Jack, Saeed, Kate, and Sawyer fell into the other's trap. His line delivery is was so cold, so calculated. I mean, that guy is a tour de force actor and I just ate up every single second of him talking to Michael and saying, you know, and basically when he showed up, he told Mr. Friendly, where's your beard? And just the way he says it, and then he turns his head halfway around and says to Michael, well, Michael, I wasn't too comfortable with this arrangement that we had, but we are men of our word and you can go now. But the interesting thing that I caught when he was speaking to Michael, he gave Michael a specific set of coordinates. And he said, if you stay on this specific set of coordinates, 
you'll be rescued. If you don't, you won't be. So I'm like, what in the holy hell is happening here? He knows how to get off the island? Okay. You know, but then I remember when Desmond first showed up and I believe he was talking to Saeed and Desmond said, listen, I was sailing for three weeks. I ended up here again. You know, this whole island is a bloody snow globe. So I'm like, how does Ben know how to get away from the snow globe and out of the snow globe? I just found that so, so intriguing. And I just loved Michael Emerson's unmasking in this episode. Like I already said, I've been waiting for it and I just relished watching it. Yeah, it was so cool to see fake Henry Gale let loose and just be himself, dropping all of the pretense that we've seen him have before and basically comes out, we're the good guys, Michael. I love that because it's like, okay, these guys think they're doing good, but are they? There's so many more questions raised by that and it's tricky to see our losties in peril, but we start to wonder what is going on. And as Michael and Walt are reunited, I'm relieved that that storyline starts to get a bow put on it because... It was getting tiresome with all the Walt, Walt, where's Walt? I need my son stuff. So I'm glad that we're moving on from that because that was my least favorite part of this season in general was Michael looking for Walt. I also liked in that Desmond flashback where he goes to the stadium and Jack is starting to do the tour to Stad and we finally meet Penny. We find out that even though she does have fiance, obviously this thing between her and Desmond is not over. It's not something that either of them are going to be able to let go. And when she says, you know, have you read your book yet? Your precious book? And he says, no. And later when he opens that book and sees the letter, it's so heartbreaking knowing that these two love each other so dearly, but a lack of communication and these external forces are keeping them apart already. Even only knowing these people for this one episode, you start to think like, oh man, I really hope that there's a way that this can work out for them because obviously this is like a Romeo and Juliet situation bad choice of name for what we're going to talk about next week but it is like these star-crossed lovers who like stuff is just not lining up and hopefully something can start to go right also we mentioned in previous episodes of this podcast the J.J. Abrams connection to the name Kelvin Kelvin Hall lots of different things the USS Kelvin and of course Desmond's partner in the hatch is a guy named Kelvin Inman who we met previous, Clancy Brown, in that Saeed episode a couple of weeks ago. And I loved that dynamic where we start to see this guy who's been in the hatch a long time and he gets disillusioned before Des does. And what happens with that and his untimely death as a result really showed the isolation and fear that can creep in when you don't know what you're doing in this setting. So we understand why present-day Desmond is completely drunk because we see his past traumas that has led to this, like, this is pointless. Who cares? I'm just going to be a drunk idiot all the time now. For God's sakes, he, he ends up killing uh, the character that Clancy Brown plays when he tries to escape on Desmond's boat. So I think, you know, he's alone on this island and he was basically marooned there. Played a factor in Desmond being so disillusioned and so lonely. But the other thing that I did not agree with is that when... Clancy Brown and Desmond are on the hat or in the hatch and he's trying to convince Clancy Brown to let him go and he's trying to get information about Clancy Brown's partner and what happened to him. At one point, 
Desmond sort of lashes out at Clancy Brown and he goes, you've ruined my life. It's all gone. And I'm like, dude, he didn't ruin your life. You tried to get back the person you love by getting on a boat and winning a race. What happened to you after that is not your fault. It was the universe playing a cool joke on you. I understood that Desmond was frustrated with the situation, but I didn't particularly like his moment of sort of unfocused rage at Clancy Brown's character. And the last thing that I'll say about the Michael storyline this season, if you guys heard last week, you know that I went on a little rant. I went kind of nuts. And as far as Michael is concerned, I was so disappointed that when Jack finally was able to coax the truth out of Michael, I did not buy his sincerity for one second. I was so angry that Hurley did not hit him, did not try to go after him, that Hurley just basically tried to walk away. I mean, for God's sakes, this man killed a woman that you were interested in. I understand that Hurley is not a violent person, but just for one split second, I wanted Hurley to fucking hit somebody. Yeah, so that part of the episode really frustrated me. But like I said, I loved the Desmond flashbacks. I loved the others and what they did i enjoyed this episode immensely yeah i thought this was a really strong finale and the things that i do love that i didn't mention yet i love that the truth came out about michael now we could have maybe had a more dramatic scene but i think in the moment i was fine that it was kind of just this hurt anguish rather than rage so i did like that i love that the dynamite comes back and echo and charlie try to blow their way into the room where desmond and Locke have barricaded themselves to get at the button so i love that the dynamite has come back so we're tying up some of these loose ends like where's the rest of that dynamite that's so unstable we now know and the moment where Locke realizes he was wrong is terry o'quinn at his finest and he's you know, starting to panic because Desmond is like, you've killed us all. You've killed us all. And Locke says, no, I've just saved us all. But then he realizes as stuff starts to go wrong, he's like, I was wrong. And he can admit that he was wrong. And I loved that moment for Locke. And then, of course, Des going under the, the thing and using the key to discharge the super cataclysmic magnet or whatever it is. I loved that. So I thought that was really cool. Just to go back to your point about Desmond being so mad at Kelvin, I think the main reason why is because when Desmond washes up on this island, he is brought immediately to the hatch and told, you cannot leave here. You have to press this button. And the reason you can't leave is because there is a deadly virus. We are quarantined in here. And he finds out that that was a lie. So the only thing that kept him at this station in the hatch for so long, instead of getting back on that boat and leaving and going back to the love of his life, Penny, was that this guy told him the boat was wrecked and that there was a virus. Two bold-faced lies that in those moments he realizes is not true. Outside is fine. The boat is fine. So I understand his rage of wanting to kill that guy because Desmond, for all he knows, he told Penny, like, give me a year. And it has been longer than that. So he thinks because he was trapped here by this crazy man, Penny has married someone else and moved on because he's been gone longer than a year. So I totally get that. And it does add so much intrigue. 
to Desmond and his frustration is that he thinks that that chance with Penny is lost which in the very final moments how this episode ends we find may not be the case because some researchers in the Arctic see a computer that is telling them there was an event they pick up the phone to dial and call someone to report that this seismic event that has happened because they did not input the numbers into the hatch has been detected and the person on the other end of the phone is penny and they say i think we found it we see penny's face lost holy shit what an ending it was so awesome that you know she has been looking there is more to this story and whatever happened on the hatch was detected so you know some of these theories that this island is not real or is some sort of astral plane are kind of shut away because if it can be detected by a computer then it's got to actually be a real place so i loved that ending and it raised so many more questions that we would mull over the summer definitely a nice way for this season to wrap up so marcelo overall how would you grade season two of Lost? I really enjoyed it. If I had to give it a score between one to 10, I would give it a solid seven. Yeah, I think this is a an eight for sure. It's one of the best seasons of Lost, and it's only in retrospect that you realize there are a few episodes that don't add up to much, and they lay groundwork that they end up tearing up those tracks and never fulfilling those plans, which happens on any TV show. So that's the only reason why I would... I would dock a few points, but really entertaining and really satisfying season. So next week on the pod, we will be talking about the season three premiere episode, A Tale of Two Cities. So if you are watching along with us, that's the one you need to watch for next week. Also, if you want to read Stephen King's Carrie so that you can be part of the book club, go for it. Otherwise, we thank you for listening. We've been happy that you've been along this rewatch journey with us. Marcelo, if the people want to get in touch with you, what's the best spot? If you guys want to get in touch with me, the best spot to do that is on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. If you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, at Matt Crandall. If you have any comments for the show, we are also on Twitter, at JJUniverse815. Or you can just tweet with the hashtag Radio815. And if you leave us a nice comment, we will read it on the show. Thanks very much. We will see you next week for more Lost Adventures. Until then, Radio 815, over and out.